Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. I'm not looking for my own mantle. I'm not looking for a brand new clothing line. I'm not looking for something fresh and new. I'm not looking for something that some would call relevant because I'm happy with my predecessor's clothing. I'm happy with the mantle that they had. I'm happy with the clothing that they wore. I'm happy with the revival and the path that they have blazed. Amen. I'm not looking for a different way. I want to stay true to the path that our predecessors have blazed and sacrificed for us to be able to follow them down a path of holiness and righteousness. But you hear me today, you are not alone in your walk and in your relationship with God. There are thousands and hundreds of thousands that are living this way for the kingdom of God. your Bibles. Turn with me if you would. Good to see everybody here today. We're going to dismiss the kids to their class if they want to go to class today. Amen. We've got several, as Brother Jones said, that are out due to one reason or the other, but I'm glad that you're here. Nice crowd here today. Amen. Second Kings chapter 2, verse 9. I feel like the Lord has given me something. Um, I told Brother Scott Graham last Sunday, now he is one of the finest preachers I've, I've ever heard, but I said, what impresses me more than just a, a great word from the Lord is a timely word from the Lord. I feel like we got a timely, encouraging message last week, amen, and I feel like this is a timely word. Um, two weeks ago, Brother Jones preached probably one of the greatest messages I've ever heard him preach. Uh, impacted me in a, in a great way. We have a treasure in our ministry team here. I hope you understand and realize what a treasure that we have in the ministry team. I, I know I do. This is my first week behind the pulpit in more than a month because it's probably the first Sunday I've been able to stand up straight for any length of time without pretty good pain uh, shooting down my leg. But Brother Jones preached that message uh, a couple of weeks ago stolen seed and uh, even before the message impacted me the way that it did I had set my heart to receive something from the Lord that day I'm just really hungry for a move of God in in the church and more than that even in my own personal life and that that message impacted me if you've not listened to it it's up on the podcast now go back and listen to that again and uh, even if you did hear it in person, it might be a good thing to go back and listen to that one again. Because I believe we are living in the day and the hour of stolen seed. If we're not careful, if we're not wary, if we're not prepared, if we've not prepared our heart to receive the seed of the Word of God, then I believe that it can very quickly be snatched away from us. Today's message, I believe, is one of those messages that either it's going to do you a, a load of good, it's going to really help you. It's going to refocus you. It's going to pull you back on track or, or it's going to just go wasted in your life. Amen. I want everybody to be impacted, not because I'm the preacher, but because it's the word of God. And we're living in a very difficult and strange day and hour. And I believe that now more than ever, the church needs to be the church. It's not a day for us to run and tuck tail and hide in a corner somewhere. But I believe God is setting us up for the greatest revival the world has ever seen in its history. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. 
It may not be the way that we want it to be. It may not come the way that we expect it to come, but God is perfect in all of his ways, and his word is not waxed short. His power has not grown faint. God is still as powerful today as he ever has been, and I believe that he wants to use us, his kingdom, his body, to to bring the revival that he wants this world to see. Amen. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9, we're talking about Elisha and Elijah. The Bible says, and it came to pass that when they were gone over the Jordan River, that Elijah said unto Elisha, ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. In other words, Elijah looks at Elisha and he said, you're not asking a simple thing. You're not asking for a a, a new building. You're not asking for even a, a revival. You're not asking for something that's simple. But you've come to me asking me something that is very difficult to accomplish. Nevertheless... And I love that when I go to the Lord and say, God, I don't know what else to do. I don't know where else to take this. This is beyond my capacity to reason with. This is beyond the doctor's capacity to minister to. I'm going to give this to you, God. And I hear God say, I, you maybe ask a difficult thing by worldly standards. Nevertheless, nevertheless, there's nothing that is impossible with him. He said, nevertheless, if thou shalt see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah, Elijah, excuse me, Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes, and he rent them in two pieces. He destroyed his garment. He destroyed the clothing that he was wearing. He ripped them apart. But the Bible goes on to tell us that he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah. And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither. And Elisha went over. Amen. What I want to preach to you today is something I've simply entitled, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Why don't we just clap our hands to the Lord one more time? And let's just thank him right now for his power, his love, and his mercy. Oh, we want to see your demonstration today, God. We want to see your authority, God. We want to see your power and your anointing in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You may be seated today. I've always had a healthy respect for my elders, for those who have gone before me. I've always in my younger days kind of looked up to ministry 
that has preached and affected me in such a way that I have felt the very power and anointing of God as I've sat and listened to the different ones. I thank God for every pastor that I've ever had. I thank God for men that have pastored this church before me, men like Brother Blake and Brother Adams and, and, and Brother Glidden and Brother Sargent, and it goes on and on and on. I've always had a great deal of respect for those who have gone before me. I, I think it's a foolish person who thinks that there is nothing to gain from the previous generation. I think it's the ungrateful that failed to recognize the sacrifices that brought us to where we are today. If you look back at the history of this very church, you'll find that it's not always been packed. It's not always been what some would call successful. But there have been times and seasons in the past where men have come and they've stood behind the pulpit and they've preached not to a full congregation, but they've preached to empty pews with only two or three. They've preached when there was no finances in it. They've preached when there was no revival coming. They've preached when there was no response from the pew and yet they still hold, held true to the path of their predecessors who came not to get rich or wealthy who came not to build a, a great conver, uh, congregation so that they could say look at what I have done but they came to prepare and present the word of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ to whomsoever would hear it they came to see what God might be able to do if they would simply obey. Many of our elders paid a price that most of us, including myself, know very little about. I held in my hand this morning as I was putting this message together, an old book called Pioneers of Pentecost, old-time preacher men. One of the chapters my grandfather is in I can remember looking back and listening to the stories that my grandfather would tell me. It was stories that were not like our stories today. It wasn't stories of great revivals all the time, although those were mixed in that impacted me the way but that, that the stories did. But grandpa would begin to tell me stories about the hardships that they would go through. He never pastored what most would consider a large congregation. And yet he would just go day by day walking in faith. He would be hungry at times with six children to feed and wondering where the food was going to come from. Fall on his knees and begin to pray only to hear a knock at the door. Get up and go to that door and see nobody there but there would be a bag of groceries out on their porch that would feed their family for a little while longer as they walked in faith doing what God had called them to do. They never lived in a large house. They never drove a, a big fancy car. They didn't have much of material wealth, but what they did have was something that was real. They walked a path that was blazing the way for me to walk down one day. They suffered and sacrificed in ways that I've not had to suffer and sacrifice in, and for that I am grateful for those that have gone before me and blazed the trail. Thankful for my predecessors the historical account of Elisha and Elijah is a perfect example of what I believe God looks for when he seeks out a replacement 
from the generation to come in preparation to receive the mantle that the previous generation has to hand down. For if we desire to see the demonstration of the God of Elijah, then we must be willing to do the things that make us worthy of catching the mantle of those that have gone before us. I'm not looking for my own mantle. I'm not looking for a brand new clothing line. I'm not looking for something fresh and new. I'm not looking for something that some would call relevant because I'm happy with my predecessor's clothing. I'm happy with the mantle that they had. I'm happy with the clothing that they wore. I'm happy with the revival and the path that they have blazed. Amen. I'm not looking for a different way. I want to stay true to the path that our predecessors have blazed and sacrificed for us to be able to follow them down a path of holiness and righteousness. You see, we often hear of the success of Elisha. You can count it up. Elijah had seven notable miracles. And Elisha asked for a double portion of his spirit. And if you'll count them up, when he died, he had 13. And some would say, I guess it's over. Except for... One miracle came after Elisha's death when they threw some bones down and it hit the bones of Elisha, some dead men down, and all of a sudden the the 14th miracle took place. God will never fail in his promises, even if you don't live to see it. Elisha, successful, well-known, Double portion of the spirit that was on the greatest man to live since before him, Elijah. But I wonder if sometimes I don't gloss over what it took for him to get there. See, the first time we ever hear Elisha's name mentioned, or Elijah, pardon me. First time we ever hear Elijah's name mentioned, he's not in a good place, he's in a lonely place. He feels like he's the only man on earth that's still living for God. He's in a place where he's fearing for his life. He's in a place where he's scared. He's just come off of a great uh, victory, but there's something that's gripped his heart. He feels like he is the only one. He feels like he's isolated, like nobody else can live in agreement with him, like nobody else understands. And he's basically asking God, just take me now. Why don't you just get rid of me? And he just feels like he's the only person on earth that still understands and lives the way God wants him to live. You hear me today, the devil wants you to feel abandoned and he wants you to feel isolated. He wants you to feel like nobody understands you, like nobody wants you, like nobody is in agreement with you. But you hear me today, you are not alone in your walk and in your relationship with God. There are thousands and hundreds of thousands that are living this way for the kingdom of God. He said... You may feel alone, but I've got 7,000 that have not bowed a knee. And he said, I've got a job for you to do, Elijah. I want you to get up from your pity party. Because even though you feel like you're alone, you're not. But I'm getting ready to give you something that most of the rest of the world has never experienced. You're getting ready to experience a first-class ticket to heaven. 
in a way and in a form that nobody else has ever experienced. He said, but before you do that, we need to find you a successor. He says, I want you to go and I want you to anoint Elisha to succeed you. And so Elijah does that. He gets up and he follows the command of God. And he goes searching for Elisha. And he finds this man plowing in the field, the Bible says, with 12 oxen. Now, this ought to tell us a little bit of something about the background of Elisha. He wasn't living on a little one ox, 10-acre farm. He was, he was a part of a major farming uh, operation, a major farming operation. You can read a little bit more about it, but you don't just uh, plant a, a, a few little seeds with 12 oxen. Elisha's out. He's got 12 oxen that he's in control of, and he's plowing up the ground, getting ready to plant the seed. You can be assured that if the farm was that big, that Elisha was not the only one in the field. Surely there were other teams of oxen working the land. Surely there were other hands that were on the farm. Maybe he had a brother or an uncle. Maybe they had hired some people to come in. But Elisha, I'm sure even though it doesn't say it, was not the only one working in the field that day. You see, we're in the harvest season right now, and you can drive down the roads. You can head out of town a little bit in any direction you want to go, and you won't get very far before you'll see the farmers out in their fields beginning to harvest the soybeans and the corn. It's a beautiful time of year, and sometimes you'll see a small farm. I grew up on a small couple hundred acre farm, and we, we drove these little small tractors, and we had uh, two row plows and small discs, and it seemed like a lot of work, but that was only because our implements were small. But you go out to these big operations where they've got several thousand acres, and their combines aren't just three and four row combines. They've got combines that you've got to have a wide look. You've got to take the, the head off of them and turn it sideways, and it's got to be hauled behind the, the combine so that they can get down the road. They'll cut a large swath. And I noticed something the other day. I was looking out into the fields, these big fields, and it's rarely that you will drive past a major operation and only see one implement out in the field. You're liable to see two or three combines. You're liable to see a diesel tractor trailer that's out there that's going to haul the beans or the corn away. You're liable to see the other day I pulled up and there was a lady getting out of a truck with her son and she was meeting her husband it looked like and maybe a father and, and another farmhand. There were two or three implements that gathered together and she was bringing them out lunch and I noticed that very rarely in a large operation is there ever just one person. You don't find Elisha sitting at home playing video games while the field hands are working the field. His parents must have given him a good upbringing. They must have instilled in him a good work ethic. Because while some might sit at home and waiting for the spoils of the farmhands to bring in the grain, no, Elisha was out there 
getting the calluses on his hand. Elijah was right out there in the midst of them running 12 oak of oxen. He knew what it meant to sweat. He knew what it meant to work hard. He knew what it meant to get dirty. He knew what it meant to bring in the harvest. What does Elijah do? He looks at Elisha. He stops him. And the Bible says that Elijah takes off his mantle. He takes off his cloak. And he drapes it over Elisha. He gives him a taste of what it feels like to be clothed with a powerful anointing. The cloak is not yet Elisha's cloak. It's still Elijah's for the wearing. But something about that caused Elisha to feel something. There was an anointing, I believe, that went along with that mantle of that anointed man of God. There were some experiences and some sacrifice that went into that mantle that Elijah took off. And even though it was just a temporary thing, he wrapped it around that young farm boy and he put it around his shoulders and something began to transfer into that next generation of prophets, that next preacher that was going to come along and take his place. It wasn't yet for him to keep, but it gave him a taste and a sense of responsibility. He's not ready yet. Still some tests that he must pass in order to handle an anointing of a double portion. I'm sure it went through the mind of Elijah. What's he going to do? Will he follow through or will he be a disappointment? Because we all know that we have a free will and we're going to do whatever we want to do. And even though God has chosen Elisha to be Elijah's successor, it's still up to Elisha to make the right moves. Even though God chose Saul, Saul walked away from God and Elisha could have done the exact same thing. Hear me today somebody, God may have chosen you. God may have an anointing for you. God may have a future that is bright for you, but it's still your choice. You can either walk in his will, you can follow him you can lay a few things aside and follow after the will of God or you can walk away. Your future is in your hands. God wants to give you everything, but you still must make the choice. Will Will you want to see the God of Elijah bad enough to make the sacrifices to get there? What are you going to do, Elisha? You hungry enough to walk away from that comfortable lifestyle? You've had it pretty good. Oh, I know you have to work. I know you got to get out there in the field. Daddy doesn't let you just sit home. Maybe you weren't born with a silver spoon. You got to get out and get dirty with the rest of the farm hands, but every day you come home, there's food to eat. You've got a family. You've got success. You've got a future right where you're at. But are you hungry enough for the anointing to leave it behind? Are you willing to sacrifice some things in order to walk a path that you've never walked before.
Elisha very quickly proves his commitment when he takes a team of oxen, 12 oxen, and he sacrifices them. That's no small thing. He didn't go get a turtle dove and say, okay, I'm on my way. No, he sacrificed the entire 12 oxen. And the Bible says that he fed all the, all the people that were there with him. Now, you, that, that tells me that there were more than just Elisha out in the field. You can feed a lot of people with 12 oxen. That's a lot of T-bone. That's a lot of ribeye. That's some good sirloin. That's some good eating right there. You can feed a lot of people with 12 oxen, and he takes the things that have been providing for him since he was a baby, and he says to Elijah, I'm going to show you how serious I am about following you. You've given me a taste of something that I've never tasted before. There's something inside me that's gnawing away at my very innermost man. I've got to have what goes along with that mantle, and so to show you how serious I am, I'm going to slaughter all 12 of these oxen, and then I'm going to take the plow that they were using to plow up the ground and I'm going to set it on fire and burn it till it's nothing more than ashes. He's committed. In essence, he's saying my old way of living is gone. The way that I used to provide for myself is gone. But it's not at this point that he receives the double portion. He doesn't get elevated to a status of leadership here by making these sacrifices, by turning away and burning the plow and slaughtering the steer. No, the Bible tells us that he did all that and made those sacrifices to become Elijah's attendant. Because see, if you're ever going to lead, you're going to first have to learn how to serve. He sacrifices it all, not for a place of leadership, but a place of service. Believe that one of the most dangerous things in the kingdom of God is someone who wants to lead but has never learned how to first follow never learned to serve, never made any sacrifices. I've seen a lot of good churches bust apart because the man handed down his role to somebody that had never sacrificed the way that he had sacrificed. God help us if we look to our predecessors who have taken the stone throws, who have taken the rotten tomatoes thrown at them, who've had hecklers in the crowd, who've come up preaching in brush harbors instead of crystal cathedrals. God help us if we ever look at that and decide that we don't want anything to do with that. God help us if we can't do anything and service for God unless it's perfect. Help us to look at everything that they've done and say, God, let us stay on those same paths. God, let us be thankful and grateful for our history. Be thankful and grateful for where we have come from. You don't hear Elisha's name mentioned again. Chapter 19 of 1 Kings ends with Elisha. Chapter 20, 21, 22. No mention of Elisha. You turn the page over to 2 Kings, 
chapter 1, still no mention of Elisha. You don't hear his name again until you get to 2 Kings chapter 2. Why is there no mention of Elisha? If you read what's going on, there's a lot of things happening. Boy, there's some, there's some major things taking place in the, in, in, with kings, and, and there's some audiences there with some very powerful people, and there's some battles that are being fought that Elijah is in the middle of, and he's a part of things that are going on in the nation of Israel, but not one word of Elisha. It's because it's not yet his time. He's not yet walking under his own anointing. He's still walking under Elijah's anointing. Elijah still wears the mantle. But Elisha can't forget what it felt like when that mantle was draped around his shoulders. He can't forget the feeling that he felt when the power of God came upon him. There's a hunger. It changed something within him that caused him to cast away everything, that caused him to remain focused to the man that he had chosen to serve. He wasn't worried about position. He wasn't worried about fame. His time would come one day. All he was worried about, I've got to stay right here by my master's side. Wherever he goes, that's wherever, that's where I go. Whatever he goes through, I'll go through it with him. If he suffers, I'll suffer right by his side. If he performs a miracle, I'm going to be there to see it. If he gets a credit, I I don't care. I just want to be there to see what God has to do. Wherever Elijah goes, that's where I'm going to be. Count on it. There's about four chapters there where he's seeing some things. He's learning what it means to wear the mantle without the responsibility of it being on his own shoulders. He's seeing that it's not all general conference speaking. <laughs> he's seeing that it's not a popular thing to wear the mantle all the time. He's watching as the responsibility and the weight rest upon his master. He's watching him make some difficult decisions. He's watching miracles take place at the hand of God. He's watching how he faces opposition. He's watching and learning how to trust God in the middle of difficult circumstances. It's not yet his mantle. He's not yet received any portion of it. It's still upon Elijah. But Elijah said, I remember what he said. I've got to be right there with him if I want that double portion. I've got to be right there with him. I've got to see it when it happens therefore I'm not leaving his side Elijah is close to being caught away in a fiery chariot but God said I've got a few things I need for you to do yet and then I'm coming to get you got three places I want you to go. Elijah's got one final test for Elisha. See, he's in one city and the Lord sends him to another. I want you to go. I want you to, I, I, I want you to go to, to Bethel. They're in Gilgal and so 
Elijah looks at Elisha and he says, why don't you stay behind here in Gilgal? I've got to make this trip to Bethel. And Elisha said, no, 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 no. No, if you're, if you're going to Bethel, I'm going to Bethel. They get to Bethel. The Lord tells Elijah, head to Jericho. And so Elijah looks at Elisha and says, you've got to be weary. I don't know, maybe he had some family, some relatives that were that were there. Why don't you stay behind? You know, they've invited you. It's, it's little Johnny's birthday uh, uh, tomorrow night, and they're throwing him a big party. If you want to stay behind with your family, you're, you're welcome to go while I head on down to the next city. And No, no I, because I'm committed to you. I'm serving you. I don't serve myself. I don't serve my own, my own desires anymore. I serve you. And where you go, that's where I'm going. I've not lost the feeling of the power of the anointing. I remember what you said. I've walked in your footsteps long enough to know that if I want that mantle, I've got to walk the same path that you walk. We cannot walk a different path than those who have gone before us and expect the same results and the same anointing. I can remember growing up and hearing men, some of them have gone on to meet the reward and some of them are still with us today. Some are relatively retired and you don't hear their voices speak to us that much anymore, but I can still close my eyes and hear certain sermons I can still hear the likes of Jeff Arnold as he preaches at a Because of the Times service. I can still remember the sound of a TF Tinney. Amen. I can still hear the sound of a Kilgore. I can still hear the sound of these mighty men. I can still hear the sound of the Paul Moonies. I can still hear the sound of a Bill Colthorpe as he preaches and teaches and I'm sitting there listening to it and thinking I want what they have. I can still remember the services where I heard Brother Carr preach and it pricked my heart. I can still remember some of the things that T.M. Jackson spoke that changed my life forever. I can still remember the voice of uh, Brother Kevin Blake as he stood behind this very pulpit and I would sit out there and listen and take it all in and find myself in an altar saying God give me just a little bit of what I feel when they preach your word of God let me hear the voice of the Lord God of Elijah like they do but if I want that I must stay on the same path it's not time for me to blaze a different trail just so I can be accepted by something that they deem, this world deems to be relevant, by what the world's philosophies deem us that is antiquated and outdated. No, I'm going to stay in the Word. Why? Because it's a trusted trail. It's a trusted path. It's a proven uh, story. It's a proven thing. If we stay on that path, we can be assured to receive the same anointing. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? I know. We're going through a difficult time right now. Doesn't feel like revivals exploding. We're doing good. 
to kind of maintain. We're doing good, just kind of hold our own. This is a sacrifice I didn't realize I'd ever have to face. We're doing things differently than we've ever done them before. It's not the same as it used to be. It's not like I expected it to be. I've enjoyed the times where we've packed the people in. I, I don't like splitting the church up. I don't like preaching a half of the church at a time. It seems like there's a greater power and a great anointing when we're all gathered together, and I look forward to that day. But if we use that for an excuse not to be able to come and see the Lord God of Elijah's power and anointing take place, then we are the ones that are silly. We are the ones that are suffering. We must see the Lord God of Elijah, whether it be two or three gathered together or two or three hundred gathered together I must see the Lord God of Elijah the Bible tells us that there will be a people that does mighty exploits there will be a people that sees a a latter rain that is greater than the former rain. It's not going to be a people that walk a different path. There have been those that have walked away. There have been those in this very church that have walked away. They've seen what we've gone through as their exit strategy. And it tells me one thing. I'm not talking about the people that want to be here but due to compromised immune systems, they're not able. I'm not talking about those kind of people. I'm talking about people that were only coming to satisfy, keep the pastor off their back. I'm talking about the people that only showed up to keep mom or dad off their back or husband or spouse or whatever off their back. They just came to satisfy just a little something. Amen. It was like a pacifier to them. This has become their excuse to walk away, to go down a different path. But let me tell you something. They won't be a part of the anointing. They won't be a part of that greater latter rain. I want to be right in the middle of it. I don't want to miss a part of the Lord God doing something mighty in the last days. But I want to be around to see the Lord God of Elijah. It's going to be a church that knows what sacrifice is. It's going to be a church that stays close to the predecessors that have given everything for the truth and have brought us this far. I don't know what it feels like to have someone throw a rock through the window. I don't know what it feels like to preach in a brush arbor and not have air conditioning. Oh, we've had a few of those little services where we've, we've opened ourselves up to the elements when slightly uncomfortable. That's one thing when it's a novelty. It's another thing when it's a lifestyle. So what happens if everything changes? What happens if nothing ever is the same anymore? What happens? I'll tell you what happens. The church will remain the church. And those that stay on the path will remain, whether they have anybody walking beside them or not. But let me tell you something. You're not going to be on that road by yourself. Amen. God always has a remnant of people. There will always be people. You may see people walk away. You may see people bow their knee to uh, another God. But there's always going to be a people that remain true to the path. There's always going to be a people that remain true to seeking out the same God 
God that Elijah served. It was the same God that Elisha served. And it's going to be the same God that Landmark serves. The Bible says it came to pass. They just still went on and talked. Behold, there appeared a chariot of fire. It was just an average day. They're just having conversation. I love just kind of taking a stroll with my wife. It seemed like sometimes we'll sit around the house and we had a little conversation and we just got, we're both fine with being quiet. We don't have to talk all the time. We're okay with that. We understand each other, but there's something about taking a, a stroll, a walk. We hit that sidewalk and we begin to stroll and we just walk and talk. And it seems like it's in those times when we stroll that, that our conversation gets kind of deep and we talk about our dreams together. We still have dreams. I mean, we've been married 34 years. There's still some things we'd like to see, some things we'd like to do, some things we'd like to accomplish. And we talk, start talking about our children. We start talking about our grandchildren. We start uh, talking about the church and how blessed we, we feel. We start talking about the good things of God. By the time it's over, you know, it's just been a great conversation and we Got a little exercise on top of it. These two men are just walking. Walking and having conversation. When all of a sudden, a chariot of fire appears. Horses of fire. The Bible says it parted them asunder. It separated them. Why? Because one was leaving and the other was staying. One's job was finished, and another's job was just beginning. The Bible says that Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, and Elijah saw it. The moment came on rather quickly, very suddenly. One minute they're just walking, having conversation. And the next minute, they're separated by a chariot of fire and horses of fire. And Elijah's on a taxi cab ride like no other. And on his way up to heaven. And Elijah, Elijah's standing back going, whoo. The moment had arrived. The Bible says he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and he rent them in two pieces. He destroyed the garment that he was wearing. But while he ripped his garment to shreds, something fell from the sky. The mantle of Elijah laid at his feet. And he picked it up. I don't need these old duds anymore. I've got a brand new wardrobe. Well, maybe that's not entirely true. Because it wasn't a brand new wardrobe. It was one that had been proven effective. Proven successful. Proven powerful. We do ourselves a disservice 
if we look to anything other than what's already been proven to be the power of God unto salvation. I'm not looking to please the world. I'm not looking to please some political view. I'm not, look, I'm not here to stir up trouble, but I am not here to do anything other than stay close to the path because there's something inside of me that's crying out, let me see the God of Elijah. There's a hunger in me, and maybe we don't have hundreds coming forward to receive the power of the Holy Ghost right now, but that doesn't mean that there's not something inside of me that's crying out, the day is a coming, the day is a coming. One day you're just going to be casually walking. One day you're just going to be walking and talking with the Lord, and in a moment something, everything is going to be changed. Will you be ready to take the new garment and place it around you? Will you be close enough to receive the mantle that is handed down? Down to you so that the ministry that needs to go on can prevail so the church that God needs to spread his gospel will be successful Elisha reaches down he grabs the mantle. You see, they'd come across and up to the Jordan River. Fifty other sons of the prophet, the Bible says, were there. But when they walked down, just the two of them, Elisha and Elijah, walked down to the Jordan River. And fifty sons of the prophets, not just Joe Blows, they were sons of prophets. They were spiritually minded to a point but they did not have the commitment or the relationship to Elijah that Elisha had. And so while Elijah and Elisha walked down to the Jordan River, 50 stood up on the hill watching from a distance. And Elijah smote the waters of the Jordan. They parted and only two walked across. The prophet and the one that would secede the prophet. The one that would bear the mantle. And so Elijah, Elijah, Elisha, picks up the mantle. Elisha's now gone. He walks up. I just wonder. He walks back to the same place that they came out of that Jordan River. And he takes the mantle that has now been handed to him. And he says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he slaps the waters. And his heart must have almost burst wide open when he saw the waters begin to tremble and separate. Oh, something came upon him. It had to because it has to be something like what I'm feeling right now. As he stepped out in the midst of that dry ground and he went back over across that Jordan, something hit him. Something came upon him that he had never felt since the time that the first time that Elijah had placed that mantle upon him. But it's no longer Elijah's mantle. Now it was Elisha's mantle. It was Elisha's to wear. It was Elisha's to carry. It was Elisha's to walk in 
Where's the Lord God of Elijah? God said, it's right here in the midst of your commitment. Well done, Elisha. Because you had lots of chances to walk away. You had lots of reasons that you could have been offended. Your life was sometimes in danger. There were 50 soldiers that came up looking for the two of you. And God swallowed them up when Elijah, Elijah went out and said, Hey, if I be a man of God, let fire fall from heaven. And boom, 50 soldiers were gone. Just like that. There were times when Elisha wondered, Is this really going to be worth it? But in his heart of hearts, he knew, I'm staying right here. I don't care what it costs me. I'm not letting him out of my sight. What he found out was the God of Elijah had become the God of Elisha. Only now, there was even a greater anointing. He was going to be walking a greater anointing than even Elijah walked in. There was going to be, he was going to be more effective than even Elijah had been. Why? Because he chose to commit. Music come today. The message is hold on to the old path. I've seen lots of great preachers. One preached our youth convention a long time ago. I thought, wow. Wow, he could move a crowd. He moved me. He had a way about him that connected with people. But I found out that he was more worried about and concerned about his connection with the audience than he was with God. And there came a day when he's decided that he wanted to try something different. He's gone his own path. He's blazed his own trail. But it's not headed to the same pathway, the same destination as the one that's already been established. What we preach is not outdated or antiquated. What we preach is relevant and true tried and true tested and strong and the word says greater things than these shall ye do and the word says and nothing shall be impossible for you and the word says in the last days I will pour out my spirit your sons and your daughters going to prophesy and your young men they're going to have visions and your old men are going to dream dreams I don't know where I fit in young or old I guess I'll find out when I either start having visions or dreaming dreams what category I fall in but I've walked this way too long to go down a different path I've tried to appease a society that wants an easy believism or try to change the doctrine 
or preach some other kind of perverted gospel or name sin and rename it as being some kind of an addiction or a problem when God just simply calls it a sin. Would you stand with me today? Every head bowed and every eye closed. I wonder if there's anybody hungry for a move of God. If there's anybody that's dissatisfied with status quo. Tired of just existing. Tired of watching your family members be stripped away. Tired of watching people walk down a different path thinking it's going to take them to a road of ease when you know what lies at the end of that road is certain destruction I'm not offering you a path without sacrifice I'm not saying the road that we're on is one that everybody travels But I'm just saying the ones that travel this road are going to see the greatest revival the world has ever experienced. I wonder where you want to be when that time comes. Will you be standing up on the hill watching the miracle, the fiery chariot, the mantle fall? The anointing rests upon another from a distance, separated by a river that is uncrossable without a miracle. Or will you have stayed close enough to the man of God in your life that you're inseparable, that you've experienced the same pain that he's experienced, that you'll partake in the same victories and defeats that he's suffered and enjoyed? That you will have walked with him and talked with him and learned of his ways. Or will you stand off from afar and say that must be nice to feel that authority. That must be nice to walk in that anointing. I certainly wish there wasn't a gap separating me and that mantle. Somebody hear me today. If you're hungry to see the Lord God of Elijah, then you need to fall in love. You need to fall in love and stick close to the Word. You need to fall in love with the path. Of our predecessors. You need to hear the words of our elders when they still called sin, sin. When they still said, You must be born again of water and of spirit. You must receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you want to be born again, there's only one gospel message. There's no other gospel. There's no other way. There's no other door. There's only Jesus.
Jesus Christ and Him alone. There's only one way to salvation. There's only one name in which we can be saved. There's no other way. And it's for you. And it's for your children. And it's for those that follow you. What kind of path will they be able to follow if you are their predecessor? I wonder if there's anybody here today that can feel the burden and the cry to stay close follow hard onto the old past, to walk in the footsteps of our predecessors, to not sway to the left or to the right, but to stay true. Does anybody feel that same burden today? If you do, I wonder, would you find a place to pray? Would you allow that burden to cause you to hit your knees today? To find a place where you can be in tune with God? If maybe you've drifted a little bit, maybe you're still on that path, but you're not seeing what you want to see. Maybe you've drifted a little too far away. Let me tell you something today. God is trying to draw you back into a place of closeness, of relationship with Him. He's telling you, don't get separated by the Jordan. Follow me close enough that when it separates, you have time to follow the man of God to the other side. For there's only one side of the River Jordan that gets to receive the mantle. And few there be that follow close enough for it to be passed down to them. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.